Hello and welcome to Midweek Reading on the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad Podcast. Over at my YouTube channel, I have over 100 videos where I read and respond to various books. What I'm about to play for you now is but one of those readings. So sit back, relax and enjoy Midweek Reading with me, the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad on the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad Podcast. Hey there, I'm Joe Hinkle, YouTuber and filmmaker. I'm actually working on my first movie, Two Souls, right now. But hey, you're listening to this podcast, and I hope you are being inspired by it and having a wonderful day. Thanks so, so much for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad Podcast, and keep having fun. All right. Good afternoon. This is... Sorry for the noise. This is Damien, the tall, friendly, atheist dad. So I'm just getting myself into position here. Where I'm going to read Total Life Prosperity by Creflo A. Dollar Jr., 14 Practical Steps to Receiving God's Full Blessing. Which is uh, interesting because, yeah, when I when I was a believer, I, I loved this book. And, yeah, I haven't read this book for quite a while. Um, the pages are quite brown. A little bit stained. But, yes, uh... Copyright 1999 by Creflo A. Dollar Jr. So this book's this book has uh, 14 chapters, conclusion, a couple of couple of appendixes, and and about the author. So let me just hit refresh on that. Oh, and I'm live. Nice. There's one person watching. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Hello to whoever that person is. Okay. Let me get comfy. And I'll start reading. Sorry for the noise. Okay. Preface Toward the end of our 1996 church finance convention, something very special happened to me. I began to experience what my wife, Taffy, called holy frustration. By every usual standard of measure, everything was going just right. The word Coming from the pulpit was good. Revelation knowledge was flowing freely. And people were being delivered and set free during every service. But for a couple of nights, I went home and could neither rest nor sleep. When I told my wife about it, she said it sounded as if something was about to be born from within me. 
she reminded me that the last time I had such an experience, World Changes Ministries was transformed from vision to reality. As I began to pray, study, and seek the Lord, one of the questions I asked God was, what if a man wanted to know exactly what he needed to do in order to prosper? What would you tell him? In response to my question, God birthed in my spirit a revelation of the 14 steps to prosperity contained in this book. I encourage you to make a quality decision right now to follow the steps I've shared within these pages. They are designed to change your finances, your marriage, your family, and your world for the better. This book, like all the others I've written, is based on the Word of God. I am nothing apart from the Word. I can do nothing apart from the Word. And I can write nothing apart from the Word. To effectively read this book, keep your Bible close by. So get your Bible, get into an attitude of receiving, and get ready to increase in the Word of God. So I can already... Sorry about that. I can already uh, sense that there's not going to be any real practical advice. And um, this is the hallmark of uh, prosperity preaching, where um, yeah, this is like you know the, the guy who's already well off and lives in a lives in a very nice mansion and has very very few monetary worries. Um, yeah. And I reckon that uh, one of the steps will be, uh, if I remember correctly, one of the steps will be, you know, give give to your pastor, give to your church. Um, I don't want to come across as cynical, but it's very hard to not be when um, – yeah, it's very hard not to be cynical when uh, – When uh, very rich preachers talk about money, it's, uh, yeah, very incongruous, might be the word. Anyway, that was a preface. Uh, I will now go to the introduction. So, oh, and I see Mass with Caleb. Hello, Mass with Caleb. I hope you're doing well. Are you in lockdown like I am? If so, let me know. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, how bored are you? Okay, introduction. Money is usually the first thing that comes to mind. When the subject of prosperity is brought up, we've been conditioned by the world to believe that a person with a lot of money is prosperous 
and if prosperous, then certainly happy. No doubt about it, having the funds to go wherever you want and do and buy whatever you please is a good thing, but it's not everything. To think about money when you hear the word prosperity is not incorrect, just incomplete. You see, a person can have a million dollars in his bank account and still suffer from the ravaging effects of cancer throughout his body. Having plenty of money is the world's limited idea of prosperity, not God's. What good does it do for you to have enough money to purchase the best medical care and still not be able to lay hold of the divine health promised to you by God? Jesus came to give you abundance in your home, body, workplace and family, not just in your wallet. And while people desire to be financially well off, they sometimes reject the message of prosperity because they associate it with greed and view it as a message intended solely for the preacher's benefit. Going to stop there for a second just because I find it um, incredibly... Uh, oh, Caleb is bored at 11 out of 10. <laughs> okay, that's... Uh, yes, if I didn't have my reading, I would be uh, maybe an 8 out of 10, but um, thank you for that math, maths with Caleb. Um, this is, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of taken aback here because, you know, when he says that, um, yeah, money isn't, isn't everything, well then, yeah, uh, especially, especially this last sentence because they associate it with greed and view it as a message intended solely for the preacher's benefit. Uh, this is actually quite uh, funny, given that uh, Creflo Dollar himself is, there's a video of him where he's, uh, yeah, where he says that he, if he had his way, he would actually put like, you know, barriers at the entrance to his church and the, these barriers would, uh, you know, take enough money out from the people, and and those who haven't given money would have like the alarms go off and they be they be kicked out or you know exterminated or something. Um, yeah. So look, I actually I actually do uh, agree that prosperity isn't just something about isn't just something about money. Um. But yeah, maybe the idea of sufficiency should be more more the thing rather than uh, riches. But but yeah, and he does have a point again. You know, you can have a million dollars in your, in your bank account and still and still be unhealthy. But this line where he says, uh, "Where is it? Uh, what good does it do for you to have enough money to purchase?" Uh, the best medical care and still not still not be able to lay hold of the divine health promised to you by God. Um, I have to ask, what does that actually mean? You know, does that mean that you know when you're you know, 
that, you know, when you're a Christian, that you don't suffer any health issues at all, that you're able to pray sickness away. Um, if we could pray sickness away, then, you know, why don't they send the you know, preachers with the guitars and tambourines into hospitals to, you know, save the, save the public, you know, billions of dollars in health, health costs. Yeah. We, we could do away with, we could do away with health insurance, you know, just like that. If, you know, praying for sickness actually, actually worked better than random chance anyway. Yeah, I'm going to turn the page over. Perhaps you've been told that money is the root of all evil. Really? That's not what the Word of God says. If you look at 1 Timothy 6.10, you'll see that it reads, For the love of money is the root of all evil. The prosperity message, if taught from a truly biblical perspective, speaks of much more than acquiring money. You see, God is concerned with every aspect of your life. In fact, this book is more about letting go of your money than holding on to it. It's about loving your neighbour enough that you can willingly extend that with which you've been blessed towards someone else. Now that's biblical prosperity. It's time for us as Christians to have our minds renewed to reflect the good and perfect will of God. We should hear the conclusion of the whole matter rather than limit God to what he can do in our lives. Biblical prosperity is the ability to be in control of every circumstance and situation that occurs in your life. No matter what happens, whether financial, social, physical, marital, spiritual, or emotional, this type of prosperity enables you to maintain control in every situation. I'll even go a step farther and define biblical prosperity as having God's ability to meet not only your needs, but also the needs of mankind, regardless of what those needs may be. Now pause there for a second. The needs of mankind right now are to, uh, you know, find that, find a way to stop the spread of this, uh, of this virus. That's, uh, that's what we need right now. But, um, where he says, you know, no matter what happens, whether financial, social, marital, spiritual, or emotional, um, given that we don't actually have a, uh, a definition for what spiritual actually is, rather than something that is driven strongly by emotion. Um, or spiritual is just basically what the natural can't explain. Um, yeah, that's... Now, I, I do like the idea of, of uh, charity. You know, that's, that's... There's no issue there. But, um, yeah, it's just inter interesting that... Um, what I've noticed is that when these uh, prosperity preachers 
uh, give to charity. Like typically they set up their own charity um, and either put themselves or, you know, some trusted people at the top of the charity in order to, you know, work work the situation might be the uh, best way of putting it. Anyway, back to the book. You can prosper financially, but you can also prosper in your spirit, soul, body, marriage, and life in general. How? Through the word of God. Take David, for example. David was a man after God's own heart, and as such, reflects God's intent for us in his word. Look at David's petition to the Lord concerning his ability to prosper. He said, Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Psalm 119, 133 from the NKJV. Um, yeah, was David a man after God's heart? Um, given that, you know, God is on the hook for, you know, quite a, quite a few deaths. And given that, uh, David is also, you know, credited with, uh, lots of, lots of deaths. Um, I don't see it as, uh, as incongruous that David is, is a man after God's heart. Anyway, back to the book. Few people realize it, but David was praying for biblical prosperity. He was asking the Lord to direct his steps according to the word of God. His supplication was that no evil, sin, or wickedness be allowed to have authority over him. And if you're familiar with the account of his life as told in First and Second Samuel, you know it took more than money to deliver him from the many challenges he faced. David was praying for control over everything he had to deal with, from uncircumcised Philistines to his unforgiving father-in-law. Glory to God! Um... Was David praying for biblical prosperity? Uh, I think he was just praying for good guidance and to and to be holy and and pious and righteous. Um, I know it's easy to, you know, maybe put those together, but you know, it's uh, Yeah, I think uh, Creflo is uh, kind of drawing uh, drawing a line where a line really shouldn't be drawn. Anyway, if you do have any comments about this, let me know. The iniquity facing David in his day may be different from what you're going through, but the end result is the same, lack of control. Anything in your life that controls you instead of your controlling it should be considered iniquity. The word of God calls for you to be the head and not the tail, Deuteronomy 28.13, and more than a conqueror, Romans 8.37. 1 
The good news, child of God, is that an anointing is available to put you in control of all your circumstances. You are an heir to the Lord's promises, and David's prayer for dominion over his life has been granted to you through the word of God. He has sent his word to put back into your hands the things that have been wrestled from you. No longer do poverty, sickness, addiction and fear have free course to rule and reign in your life. You no longer have to allow the circumstances of marital discord, rebellious children or unemployment to dominate your household. Um, yeah, this is, this is, uh, some really weird theology, <laughs> really weird theology here, but this is the kind of theology that I swallowed up when I was, when I was neck deep in the faith. This is, you know, yeah, this is, yeah, I love the idea of control. I love the idea of, you know, wrestling things back that have been taken away from me. Yeah, I love the idea of not being, you know, not being the, uh, the uh yeah the being the head not the tail not not being the loser in life that kind of uh that kind of uh idea really really uh appealed to me and that's maybe why i gave my all because i wanted to feel you know i wanted to feel like i'm in control and now I'm a little bit older, you know, I've come to realize that, you know, some things you can control and some things you can't. And trying to wrestle the things that you can't control into the things you can doesn't, uh, doesn't always bode well. Anyway, back to the book. If there are any areas of your life where you need to get back in the driver's seat, read and follow the precepts I lay out here in Total Life Prosperity. Meditate on the 14 practical steps to, pros to prospering in God and get on the road to health, prosperity and peace of mind. God has truly given you the opportunity to lay hold of the abundant life. Jesus died so that you may live. Yeah, but I don't know if Jesus died for, you know, for five or six extra zeros in my, in my bank account. You know, that's... David got the revelation that God's word would lead him where he needed to go. He said in Psalm 119.105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you're uncertain of how to live a prosperous life, let the word of God within the pages of this book show you the way. Ah, yes, um, that, that, old, that old song that we used to sing in church. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sorry, sorry for the bad singing. But yes, that was... Uh, um, yeah, and the, if you change your mindset that you believe anything within the book, 
basically, if the book is meant to change you and you're not meant to change the book, then, yeah, you are encouraged to swallow the book. Hook, line, and sinker. Now, let me just change position here. Okay, I'm back. Chapter 1. Peace, be still. The same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships, then there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Mark 4, verses 35 to 41. This is one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. But I want you to see that it is also a perfect example of prosperity and the ability of God to meet the needs of mankind. Perhaps you'll get a better picture after I explain further. Jesus and his disciples were on a ship one afternoon, right in the middle of a terrible storm. Then what are you doing on a ship? Okay. His disciples were filled with fear because they thought they were about to die. Natural reaction, I suppose. Meanwhile, Jesus was in the back of the ship, asleep on a wet pillow. I would have preferred if he just said pillow rather than a wet pillow. It's like, oh, yuck. Anyway. We know it was wet because the Bible says the ship was filled with water. And since he was asleep in the back of the ship and water filled the ship, we're safe in assuming that the pillow was soaking wet. You know, Jesus must have been a hard sleeper. Well, if Jesus if Jesus' pillow was wet and he didn't wake up, it's like, well, <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, like, surely his clothes would have been wet, his undies would have been wet, his socks would have been wet. You know, it's like, ugh. Well, that's if they wore socks. But anyway. Anyway, they started fussing about who was going to wake him up, probably saying things such as, Luke, why don't you wake him up? I'm not waking him up. Let Peter wake him up. Then John said, Look at those waves. We're going to die. Somebody better wake him up. Matthew 
clearing his throat, woke Jesus up. Excuse us, sir, but don't you care whether or not we drown out here? All of a sudden, Jesus got up in the midst of the storm and said, Peace, be still, and the wind and the sea quieted down. Is it clear to you what happened? It was more than a matter of Jesus telling the wind and the sea to be quiet. True prosperity came over that boat. The ability of God on Jesus calmed the storm, and their lives were preserved because Jesus, in the middle of that situation, was still in control. That's the kind of prosperity the Word of God provides you. Total life prosperity. Oh boy, this uh, <laughs> this theology is certainly uh, is certainly quite um, quite interesting. Getting in God's presence, renewing your mind with the biblical definition of prosperity, and being obedient to the Word of God are just a few of the steps necessary to establish true prosperity in your life. Have you ever asked someone how he was doing and he prefaced the reply with, well, under the circumstances? Child of God, do you realise that you're not supposed to be under your circumstances? Through the word of God, you have the ability to be in control of every circumstance, situation, problem and trial you will ever face. Not only does he want you to have the finances necessary to pay every bill. He wants you to have wisdom, knowledge, patience, joy, faith, humility, and long-suffering to handle anything that might come your way. The storms and raging sea experiences in your life are subject to the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of the anointing. Follow the rules in your instruction manual, otherwise known as the Bible, and those circumstances will have to obey the voice of God as it comes through you. Well, he certainly knows how to write. Or maybe his ghostwriter knows how to write. But, um, yes, um... <laughs> again, this is weird. Like, you know, if I tried to apply uh, this kind of theology to my tax bill, or to, to being arrested, or to, you know, to COVID... Um, this is exactly this, this is exactly the same uh, mentality that has allowed COVID to take over America and other parts of the world. When you, when you pretend that your spirituality is enough to affect material reality, then yes, you'll go, you know, oh, the, what, it, the, the magic words are able to, you know, overcome the situation. But, um, try as you might. Uh, magic words are simply just that, words. Back to the book. When evil thoughts try to attack your mind, God has given you his word to renew those thoughts and take control over whatever is threatening your mental state. When sickness and disease try to attack your body, the Bible becomes a medicine chest filled with godly scriptural remedies and divine prescriptions to enable you to regain control over your physical body. 
It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Proverbs 3.8 in ASB. Again, um, magic words are just that. Um, and again, if he wanted, if he wanted to prove that this kind of uh, theology is the best interpretation of reality, then yeah, go to a hospital, take all the doctors out, and let's see what your mortality rate is. Yeah, I'm going to move move position. I'm back. I'm back. When the enemy comes into your life and tries to cause separation and divorce, God has given you his word to benefit your marriage. If you will make what he says your final authority on the subject of marriage, you can have control over this part of your life as well. Uh, quickly pause there. Sorry to pause after so many sentences, but um, yes, I I used to be one of those guys who believe that um, men took control of the marriage, but also like to the point that it required submission on on the wife's part as well. And so, yeah, if you'll make what he says your final authority, then then yes. Um, actually, there's a. There's a bit of a trope that, um, well, I wouldn't say a trope, but there's a bit of a common saying that, you know, me and a few other atheists, like when discussing women in, in the Bible, and that is that women are property. And if you read through, if you read through the Bible, um, throughout the Old Testament, um, and even through parts of the New, um, it is quite clear that women are an afterthought. Um, women are there to make babies. Uh, women are there, you know, as, as a secondary function rather than as a, rather than as an equal. It's only until Paul comes in that he, uh, you know, that's just funny. Paul says some things that indicate there's inequality, but then he says other things that, uh, reinforce the, 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 the male dominance. Um, and, and it's interesting that, you know, the Christians will like pick those verses that read as, uh, equality, but ignore all the, all the other ones that, you know, uh, allow for masculine dominance. But yeah, no, in my marriage, um, you know, I've, we tend to do things, I'd say equally, like, in, I wouldn't say unbalanced, but yeah, it's like I definitely don't, you know, enforce, you know, my will on, you know, you know, people I will have my say, but, you know, in most reasonable things, as long as it's not a life and death kind of thing, then, you know, I'll, uh, I'm pretty easy going. But I wasn't like that when I was a Christian, I'll tell you that much. Back to the book. You need not walk around in the fear that is so prevalent in the world. Fear that someone will seduce and steal your mate. Draw on the wealth of the word. Meditate on the verse that says, Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What God, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. 
oh boy, if only that was uh, if only that was how the real world worked. You know, I I believe you know my wife won't have an affair, therefore my wife won't have an affair. <laughs> this is oh boy, this is a definitely weird theology. I'm just going to quickly check the messages. If you're there and listening, feel free to feel free to put a message, and I will uh, give you a shout out. Well, that's the uh... anyway. Let's uh, back to the broadcast live stream. Streamyard, thank you, Streamyard. Love it, love you guys. You make you make uh, streaming quite quite easy, especially for gumbies like me. Okay, this is now page four. Of chapter one. I don't want you to get the idea that God is not interested in your financial prosperity because he is. As I mentioned earlier, he wants you in control of every area of your life. He wants you to be prosperous to the point that you can handle every financial situation confronting you. He wants you to be prosperous to the point that the addiction you once had can't come back to control you. This type of prosperity says that now you gain control over that addiction. It doesn't tell you what to do. You tell it what to do. Oh boy, again, if only real life worked like this. Um, this is not, uh, you know, good medical advice. This is not, um, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is not. Um, yeah, anyone with, with addiction or mental health issues or, or anything like that will, you know, um, yeah, you don't, uh, you, you don't control addiction because you believe you've controlled it. I'll put it like that. Not that I've ever been addicted, but, um, yeah, no, knowing people who have and just understanding the general neurology of how addiction works, um, yeah. And also, is God interested in your financial prosperity? Um, that's interesting because I'm actually also reading uh, Mother Teresa, The Untold Story by Dr. Arup Chatterjee. And one of Mother Teresa's things was that, was, you know, that poverty glorifies God. You know, um, her missionaries of charity you know, deliberately put themselves in a, well, at least, at least gave the impression that, um, they were poor and humble, um, which was at odds with Mother Teresa herself, who had a, a lake, in, a lake house in Italy, which is, yeah, okay. Anyway, back to the book. There is an anointing to put you in control of any situation in your life that is presently out of control. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Luke 4, 18-19 as you can see, Jesus showed up in the fourth chapter of Luke and said, I'm anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He said, I've got the anointing for the poor man, so he doesn't have to be poor any longer. 
This doesn't mean that there will come a time when we will no longer have poor people. For Jesus said, the poor will always be with us. It means that Jesus takes the poor man who has no control over his life and puts him back in control of his circumstances when he receives this message. Oh yes, the uh, the, the wonderful power of preaching. Um, and yeah, I might do an episode on um, how Christians think that listening to a sermon is the uh, is their gift to the world. Anyway, continue on page four. The same principle applies to the captive man and the man who is blind. Jesus was really saying that he is anointed to cause you to prosper no matter what the situation. Whatever you lost or relinquished control of, Jesus is anointed to help you fix that situation. He is anointed so that you can get back in control. Oh boy, anyone who's actually read the read the gospel for what it actually is <laughs> will uh, thoroughly disagree, I think. Are there any areas of your life where you need to regain control? You might think your life is a wreck. Maybe your husband left you. Perhaps your wife decided to call it quits. Or your children act as if they've lost their minds. Before you make an ungodly decision to throw in the towel, let me tell you something. There is an anointing to put you back in control, despite what the world tells you to the contrary. The world may be out of control, but that doesn't mean you and I have to be. No, not as long as we have Jesus on our side. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's, uh, oh boy. Sorry. You, <laughs> you have an anointing to prosper made available to you through the word of God, including but definitely not limited to financial prosperity. I want you to get a full picture. Don't read the word prosperity and think only of finances. I want you to see that word and think about your entire life and all it entails, because in every area and in every instance, you've been called to prosper. Oh boy. As with following any road designed to take you somewhere, you have to take the first step. An old saying tells us that even a journey of a thousand miles must begin with that first step. And I find it interesting that he didn't actually uh, credit um, who actually is uh, widely credited with that statement. Um, uh, are these, you know, prosperity preachers so thin-skinned that he, he can't say the word Confucius? So, what do you suppose is the first thing you have to do to begin this life of prosperity and end up in complete control of your life? How do you get to the place where you have such an ability to meet the needs of others that when a financial situation comes up, you have the money to meet that need? And I find it interesting that he's actually saying this um, <laughs> because he's also the same guy who asked his congregation to help crowdfund a $65 million private jet. And it's like, yeah, that is, uh, why doesn't he just follow his own steps? Back to the book. When an emotional situation comes up, how have you been blessed with wisdom 
and understanding to meet that need as well? And when temptation comes to remind you of what you used to do, what do you need in order to tell temptation to go back where it came from? Regardless of what you've heard in the past, being able to make it through these situations is the sign of true wealth. You're walking in true biblical prosperity when you are able to handle your circumstances and not have them handle you. Um, yeah, I uh, used to think like that. Then I realized that um, it's, it's your mentality that actually uh, is kind of the, 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 the difference. That's interesting. Anyway, I'll turn the page. An even greater accomplishment than having money in the bank is not having to frantically react and respond to whatever is going on around you, but initiating your actions to line up with the word of God. It is more desirable to be proactive rather than reactive. You come out on top of matters with the peace of God that passes all understanding. Philippians 4.7 but the prerequisite for this piece is walking with God, as you'll learn in the next chapter. And there ends chapter one. Um, yeah, this is... Uh, just given my uh, understanding of Christianity from a non-fundamentalist perspective, um, this definitely does play into the uh, ultra-conservative a uh, Republican or, you know, staunchly liberal uh, kind of uh, theology where, you know, Jesus is the uh, Jesus is the member for Warringah. Um, yeah, but it's like not that I, not that I want to hold people's actions against them and look, they may still have good advice, but this is this already comes across as a book written for people who are already like-minded people and people who are so bought in to the faith um the the, the sunk costs fallacy where because you've already put so much in you need to then continue uh all the way through but yeah anyway i, I hope you've enjoyed this uh th this reading uh, later on, I will obviously read chapter two. And if you do want to join me in the discussion, uh, feel free to contact me on Twitter at TF80Pod. Also, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash TF80Pod, or search for the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Otherwise, have a great day. Have a great week. Look after yourselves. Be kind to one another.